Good to be with you today. I'd like to begin just with a personal word. My mother years ago said, uh, Robert, and when she was serious, she always said Robert, not Rob. And she said, I want you to know that every moment something is going to happen for which thank you is an appropriate response. Well, right now, this is a moment of um, real gratitude in my heart because I can't help but say thank you for the years that I had here among the people of First Church and how you edified my journey. Thank you for the church that you are, for the strength of your life together. And I am aware of the winsome witness you're making to this community and your outreach. Thank you for uh, what you mean to my family. I'm, to a lot of you, you don't know me as a preacher. You just know me as this old man that set loose this tribe of <laughs> Browns and Blackburns here in this church. And thank you for what you have meant to them. And thank you for Keith for inviting me to be here. So now let's get to work. I don't need to tell you that uh, life is a mixed bag. It's made up of breakdowns and breakthroughs, of rainy days and sunny days. But the good news is the Bible recognizes that. Fred Craddock used to say the Bible wasn't written by folks all sitting lathered up and sunbathing lotion, sipping lemonade by the pool. It was written by people that know, look, if you're going to leave a life of meaning and purpose, Sometimes you're going to have to put it together with short pieces of string. You're not going to get 30 good days in a row. Jesus knew that. Especially if you're going to live into the life he was putting before you. He said, look, there's going to be days of ripe and good harvest, and there's going to be days of drought. So he tells this wonderful farming story. The, the farmer, he opens his seed bag, and man, seeds are just going everywhere, and some of it's on the sidewalks, and the crows have made short work of that before lunchtime. Some of it, well, it goes into shallow soil and it's the dry wind and it's blown away by evening and then some of it gets choked out by the weeds and the thistle. But then, oh, some of it finds good and receptive ground. And lo and behold, 60, 80, 100 fold, it's a bumper crop. All right, I'm going to let you in on preacher's secret here. Preachers love this parable. They love this. You know why? Because preaching, what I'm doing up here, it's, it's a challenge doing it week after week. You start with a piece of scripture, use the commentaries, you try to walk around it. You listen to the evening news, you pay attention to your life, and you hope the spirit is going to work in all that. So when you get up here on a Sunday morning, you're not just boiling water, that you're, you're serving up a little bit of soup with some calories to it, you see. But you see what Jesus has done for me here? My goodness, he just laid it out. Four soils, a four-point sermon. The outline is there. And I can find a poem, and voila, I've got a sermon. There's another reason preachers like this. This is hard for me to... Preachers like this. Well, we get to peel back the bark a little bit. We get to do a little clerical scolding. We get to work out our frustration. Yeah, let me talk about the different soils. Rocky, hard soil, yeah. Close-minded people, I know some of them. They're, they're often good people. That they have determination and they have devotion. But my goodness, they would be scared of a new thought if it came their way. Okay, Shallow, shallow people. I could do a sermon series on shallowness. Now, shallow people, I, they're fun to be around. Okay? 
They really are. Be sure to include them on Friday night. But uh, the problem is it just stays on the surface. They never quite get beyond what are we going to eat and what are we going to wear and what are we going to do on the weekend. They're very satisfied just to splash around their whole life in the baby pool. Weedy people. These can be good people. It starts good, you know. You're young and you have a sense of priority, first, second, third, but then it all gets kind of thistly and weedy. Well, there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you just go where the pressure is felt. Now, these people make commitments, but I usually don't keep them. You see how much fun I'm having with this? I'm already feeling better. I've... And how about you? Well, here's a comparison story. Okay, we're talking about good soil. Open, ready, receptive. But look at you. You're here. And most of you seem like you're listening to me right now. And you're thinking about your friends that are out on the number seven tee right now that aren't here. And you're here. You're looking pretty good. So you see, I get to work out my frustrations you come out pretty good and finding your place in the spiritual universe, we're pretty close to pronouncing the benediction. Get you out of here early, you see. <laughs> but wait a minute, not so fast. Not so fast. When the early Christians wrote and put down the scriptures on papyrus and paper, they had these headings. Do you know what they called this parable? Didn't call it the parable of the four soils. You know what they called it? Parable of the sower. Oh, wait a minute. Everything changes. If this is about God, the generous sower, and our being called into that kind of life, wow, it changes. See, this is a parable. Parables were comparison stories referring to nature and common life. And the idea was, when Jesus told these stories, that he would try to arrest our attention by the vividness, the strangeness of the images. Now, I ask you, what's the most vivid image in this parable? I don't think it's the soil analysis. It's this crazy sower. Opens that seed back and with holy abandon, he puts some at the feet of the dogs, he feeds the birds, he whistles at the rocks, plows on through the thistles and the weeds, throwing it there. He shouts hallelujah at the good soil, but he just keeps throwing and casting the seed prodigally everywhere, believing there's more than enough to go around. Hmm. Now that's a picture of generous, joyful abandon. But the other side of that is sometimes, well, it's not going to fall on great ground. There will be a paucity of results. Yeah. Where was Jesus when he was telling this parable? He's on the back end of the boat, and he's preaching to the people on the shoreline. They've come from every hole and hovel to see if he's real or right or both. What's he doing? He's throwing out, scattering the seeds of grace and goodness. Well, the good news is a lot of people there are listening. The other side of it, a lot of them are not ready to do the following. Oh, and the disciples, they knew the frustration. They had seen Jesus pour out his life, his love without looking back, without counting the cost. 
day after day. And now we got these fat, these high steeple preachers in Jerusalem, and they want to snap his life like a twig. See, when you turn this parable around, the question is no longer what kind of soil am I. The question is, is it worth it? Why bother? You're young and you're 16 and you think with good intentions and sturdy effort you can change about anything and everything and then sometimes you learn, you put your very best out there and it's still as dead as 4 o'clock in the morning. Department of Social Services in South Carolina a few years ago changed their logo. It was a circle of words. This is how, how it went. Underprivileged and neglected children become underprivileged and neglectful parents who have underprivileged and neglected children who become who have. Now, these weren't people lacking in concern or compassion. They just knew how insidious the cycle can be. I was thinking this week about some of the house husbands and housewives I know over in Asheville and yeah, they're trying to really work hard to make family work. And it's pretty tough when the culture doesn't seem to encourage that. And trying to turn a house into a home, make it a haven of blessing and nurture. And sometimes all they can see is a stack of dirty ditch- dishes and precious little thank yous. Is it worth it? You know, Why bother? How about those of us gathered here today? We have been uncommonly called to be uncommonly committed to tilting the creation from the old to the new. Every day, you and I are called to go out there and pour out our lives in giving, serving, helping, transforming in all things for all people. And sometimes, sometimes it it just comes back empty. I knew this wonderful woman in another church some years ago, and she was kind of a, just a self-appointed welcome wagon for her neighborhood. Somebody knew we'd move in, and she just loved to widen her embrace, make people feel comfortable, and this young mother, single mother, moved in with three little girls, and so she was just there for her. You know, she first showed up with some homemade bread, and then she came back and talked about how you work your way into this community. She wanted just to build a friendship, But she did have her faith and she had her church and she just scattered the seeds very quietly, unobtrusively. And then she said, you know, I teach Sunday school and two of your daughters, they would be in my class. I just would love for them to come and give it a try. And she kept working at that relationship. And one day her new friend said, well, Thank you for the bread and thank you for the visits, but no thank you when it comes to church. You see, the, the flea market on Sunday morning has a bingo game, and the girls just love the prizes. Really? Okay. You know, sometimes you put your best out there, and it just boomerangs back at you. It hasn't felt like it's gone anywhere. Why bother? I mean, is it worth it? Here, here's the answer. The answer is in this parable. The answer goes like this. You know why we bother? Because we have a generous God who is lavishly bothered with us. That's why. Yeah. That's, that's the real joy of this parable. 
Why, why are we here today? Because God has thrown into this world, into your life and mine, these seeds of goodness and grace. And somehow they have found your way into your being and your living. And that's why you're here. And this is a farming parable. The good thing is that doesn't happen just once. It happens season after season. I mean, we're talking here about the superabundance of God's grace and goodness. With grace, you have to throw away your spiritual mass. One plus one equals more than two, sometimes three, maybe even 3,000. So, so see what happens, though, when that becomes a part of you. You begin to look for the seed back. I can't let it stop here. Not with me. I've got to find a way to be a part of that. To be a part of that. Yeah. His name was Cajun Ken. That's what we called him. It was affectionate. He came from the Bayou country in Louisiana. And he had kind of a neat Cajun accent. And he, he was just a great youth counselor. He, he just had a lot of fun being with kids. But he also had a lot of fun building bridge between faith and life. And we always enjoyed being with Cajun Ken. So one, one day he came in, he said, now I'm going to get this date out in front of y'all because I want you to be a part of this. We have this little, uh, little cabin down the lake. It's about 40 minutes from here. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to go down there and I've got several ski boats lined up. We're going to ski and have a good time and swim in the lake. And then we're going to have a Galilean worship service at the end. So, well, that Saturday rolled around and he had two of the church vans all gassed up and loaded with hot dogs and hamburgers. And his, uh, his wife was there to help. And he had some other adults. Three kids showed up, and two showed up to tell them they wouldn't be going. I was one of those who didn't show up, and most of our excuses were weak, immature. But here's the part of the story that blew me away. The next Sunday night, there was Cajun Ken. Didn't say anything about it, didn't fuss. He was with us with that same unbridled passion and joy. And I remember as a 17-year-old thinking, where in the world is that coming from? I didn't have a final answer then. I knew he was just a grateful kind of person. I think I have an answer now. I think I have an answer why Cajun Ken bothered with us. Because he had standing behind him, not a dues-collecting bookkeeping, penny-pinching God who only made responsible investments. You get that? He had standing behind him a generous, lavish, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, Mother, nurturing God who never got tired of giving and loving and always thought there was more to go around. I read Paul Tillich, we all did, we went to theology school and I would read some of his stuff and I'd have to read a paragraph over and over again. But he had one sentence that jumped off the page of me and I've held on to it. Paul Tillich said that we, you and me, the church of God, we're at our best when we are willing to waste our lives in love as God has wasted his life and love for us. Wow. Wow. Why bother? That's why we bother. 
That's why we bother. Because of how God is bothered with us. Oh, and once you get into this, once you get your seed bag, and, you know, stay with it. Stay with it, man. Even if it's discouraging at times, even if it boomerangs back and feels like nothing's happening, nobody's listening, this is mysterious business. This is God's work. You, you never know. You, you never know where growth is going to happen. Never know who, who it might happen with. You know? This is mysterious business. Don't be too selective and say, well, I don't know about him. I'm not sure about her that may be a waste of my time or I'm not sure about that cause that may be another lost cause no I think the parable says don't give up on anybody don't give up on anything oh my goodness this parable is such a good word it's not so much for this church this is not a cautious church but for those cautious churches I, I, I just think the farmer in this parable is a slap in the face of any church that says, I'm not sure there's enough to go around. Reel in the mission committee. Reel in the outreach committee. Get somebody to sit on the seat back. No. Parable says, get your seat back, open it up, fling it here, fling it there, share it prodigally. Okay, I do love to preach this parable. <laughs> I really do. And not because I have an easy outline. I've jumped away from the outline. Not because I get to fuss at you. You know, you know why I really love this parable? Because I have experienced this in my preaching, my teaching, my ministering. So oftentimes, I saw something happen that I could have never predicted. That I could have never directed. You know how it is? Sometimes the carefully planted and watered flower pot produces nothing. And the sidewalk, the sidewalk can't hold back the sprig of green and the cracks. This is mysterious business. This is God's work, God's energy. You just don't know. You just don't know because this is a sacred seed, the truth and grace of God. It carries its future in its own bosom. All right, Waynesville Church, this happened when I was here. So, um, preachers have this instinct. How you notice kind of people walking around the edge of the flock. You feel like being a sheepdog trying to get, you, you could tell, but I'd seen this woman coming for Sundays. She'd come in late and she would leave before the, the closing hymn was finished and leave before the benediction. And then I was surprised one Sunday. There, there, I was out there and she comes up and um, she starts speaking to me. And she begins with the word surprise. She said, surprise, surprise that I'm here and then I'm in church. I said, really? Well, do you have a little story to tell me? And she said, yeah. She said, I gave up on church long ago. I really did. She said, seemed like... I would turn on the TV church or I would try a church and all I heard was what Christians were against. And I just had this voice within me that said, for goodness sake, can't you tell me what you're for? Can't you tell me what you're for? She said, I gave up. I gave up on church. But she said, I came here and I think it was right here in this room. 
um, she said, you know, the, the civic group, we, we've been meeting here on Saturday mornings, and we were getting ready to leave. And there's a group of young people that were getting out of church vans, and they were walking up the, the driveway out here. And she said they looked like something that the cat drug in. They were all muddy and dirty. And I walked up to them. I said, what in the world have you been up to? And they said, we've been gleaning. They, she said, what is gleaning? She said, well, one of the youth counselors said, well, it's the St. Luke's project. You see, they find farmers in the area, and today they found some farmers out in Bethel and invite volunteers to come out and glean what's left, the tomatoes and the cucumbers that had not been picked, and then that's distributed to different food groups. She said, right there, standing outside the church and seeing those young people, tired but happy, I said to myself, I want to find out where that energy comes from. Yeah. Soil conditions change. Someone who wasn't open, wasn't receptive, all of a sudden it's the right time and the right place. May that be our call. Look, we're here today. We're here today because God scattered his seeds of goodness and grace and somehow those seeds have found their way to our hearts and minds. Now, now it's our turn, you see, it's our turn. Let us be salt, let us be light. Let us open the seed bag because you never know when it might find good ground. Oh, and once it finds good ground, who knows, it might be 40, 60, 80 fold, a bumper crop. Do you see why I love to preach this sermon? At the end of the sermon, Jesus said, those who have ears, let them hear. Amen.